0: If you're breastfeeding and concerned
1: you don't have enough milk, you may be thinking about taking herbs or other foods to boost your milk supply. These are known as galactagogues. but how do they help increase milk production? Which ones work best and which ones should you avoid? Today we're exploring the most popular galactagogues used to boost milk supply. This is The Boob Group Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Leilani Wild. I'm also an IBCLC and owner of Leilani's Lactation and Doula Services. Have you downloaded our new network app? It's a great way to listen to The Boob Group and all your favorite new mommy media podcasts on the go. Plus, it's free. If The Boob Group has helped you on your breastfeeding journey, then please tell other breastfeeding mamas about it. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review so other parents can find us. Here's Sunny with more information about how you can get involved in our show.
0: Okay, well we want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear from you guys and your your breastfeeding and your pumping experiences. It just makes the show so much more fun. So there are a couple different ways that you can do that. We have different segments that you can be part of. So if you go to newmommymedia.com, go to the show section for the boob group and scroll on down, you'll see a section for segments. And those are the various ways you can participate. But I'll give you um, a a few here that are my favorite. So um, we love to get mail from you guys so to speak, so email nowadays right? Um, Tell us about an episode you like, tell us about something that you learned something like that, we love to hear from you guys and we'll play those comments on the air and uh, we have a a segment called Boob Oops which I think is really funny and that is where you share your funny breastfeeding and pumping experiences and also a segment that is, um, we've had a lot of people submit for this lately which is awesome and that is called Mama Hacks and it's where you share your breastfeeding or pumping Hacks that you've come up with So we all breastfeed and pump our babies In a little bit different way So if you found a way to overcome something That was kind of a pain for you Or just just a way to enhance that overall experience We would love to hear from that So you can go to our website And submit via the contact link Or if you actually want to tell your own story As opposed to me or Leilani telling it for you You can call our voicemail At 619-866-4775 And record your message And then we'll play that on an upcoming episode So so let's see, we're gonna introduce our panelists.
2: I'm Bethany, I'm 28, I'm an inside sales rep at a promotional products company. Hey. I have two kids, a 14-month-old boy and an eight-year-old girl. Awesome, and then on
1: online, or actually, what would you call it? On On the phone, a, on the phone. there you yeah. go. We have Dawn.
3: Yes, Dawn Cursula. And I am on IBCLC, and I've been helping moms through the League, I'm now retired. From there, but I've been helping moms with their babies for over 30 years. I have three kids of my own, all grown. And I have two grandsons up in Alaska. I'm in Vermont. And so one of the things that we're going to find today is that different people are going to say, what do you mean that's the most favorite god?" Because it's different everywhere where you are.
0: Uh, yep, I get That's true. <coughs> Sound familiar? <coughs> if your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, It was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. All right, so before we start our conversation today, there's a news headline out there that I thought was worth repeating, definitely, because this woman was pretty selfless in order to do this. Um, This takes place in China, and uh, there was a new mother who also happened to be a nurse at a hospital, and uh, one of her patients that day was going to have a surgery. Um, I'm probably going to mispronounce how you say this surgery, but a chrissom abscess surgery. Anyways, the baby would not stop crying. I feel like we've got, like, sound effects in the studio. We're not, we're not stop crying. Now go. (laughs) Anyways, um, doctors didn't know how to get him to calm down, and uh, he really needed to have the surgery. So this new mom, again, who happened to be a nurse, um, basically just breastfed him to get him to the point that he was calm and satiated, and they could continue on with the surgery. And uh, it says here, um, the, the baby's father spoke out about it and personally thanked the nurse for her kindness and, and said, thank you. You didn't only treat my child. You also nursed him. As a father, you have my endless gratitude. You are an angel nurse. And so, you know, we don't always hear stories like this about people that are, are willing to kind of go the extra mile, especially when it comes to breastfeeding and, and in a sense, kind of wet nursing for somebody else. And so I um, just kind of wanted to throw that out there and see what you guys thought of this. Leilani, what do you what do you think of this mama Mama nurse? Well, you know, it's kind of cool. Um,
1: I, I don't know how I'd feel if I had someone else <laughs> volunteer to feed my baby, but I think it's pretty neat and kind of goes against um, when they say about surgery, you can't have anything to eat before you have surgery, <laughs> right? So that, my thought was like, huh, you know, how does that affect them? But That's no, I, true. but I think, you know what? Uh, in other cultures, it's all about the village, right? Taking care of the yeah. family. And so I think, well, you know, why not?
0: Right, and actually, the mom isn't quoted in this article, so I'm not sure the situation there. But the the baby's father was was very happy because he really did need the surgery, and basically, the surgeons were ready to call it off because they he we just you know he couldn't get him to calm down. So, props to the nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great.
3: Another
2: day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Today on the Boop Boop, we're discussing how to boost your milk supply using the popular known galactagogues, our expert Don Kerslet and IBCLC in Vermont. Thank you for joining us, Don, and welcome to the show. Thank
3: you. I'm glad to be here today.
1: Don, can you tell us uh, what a galactagogue is or however you want to pronounce it's it? Is it
3: galactagogue or galactagogue? <laughs> I I've always heard a but you know okay. what? This is another thing that I have learned. We all say things in different ways, and um, some people, when they have heart problems, they have angina, and others have angina, and both of them are <laughs> correct, so that's we're going to go with whatever way we say it, but okay. the thing that's most important is that it's a medication or an herb and a, or a food that's believed to help. Uh, With breastfeeding and um, I'm using the word uh, this definition is straight from the Academy of breastfeeding medicine protocol and it's very interesting to me that they say it's uh, things that are believed to, to help the milk supply because we need research a lot of this is word of mouth and we know that mama to mama is the most important kind of support that we can get but it sure is nice when the research can back us up but we need the research to be done so I think that in the same way that we always used to complain, you know, the doctors would say, show me the studies. And so all those uppity women um, decided, well, then I'm going to do the studies. Uh, so so now we're starting to have more of those studies. So I'm looking forward to the ones on initiating, maintaining, and being able to increase your milk supply with these different galactagogues. Or galactic, galactic gods, however we want to say it. But the kicker on the research is that when you start looking at it, there are actually more than 400 different herbs and foods that are used worldwide to help moms to increase their milk supply.
1: Well, that's that says a whole lot right there. I mean, we think about all the different cultures around the world that use these, right, different different things to help their moms because not all of them have access to what we call medication, right, to do that.
3: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yep. and we don't yep. all have um, villages <laughs> that will breastfeed our babies <laughs> for us if yeah. we can't. How does it work? How does it boost a mom's milk supply? Do you
3: know? Well, as you can imagine, if there's 400 different kinds Um, And we haven't done a lot of research. There's a lot of um, question about or there's a lot of there's a variety of ways that things work. And interestingly, the first thing that I always look at and think about, um, which we we probably knew on some level, but not to the extent that we are knowing more today is hormones. Moms need hormones to be in balance um, to be able to make milk. And there's actually the four that I think about right off are prolactin which is for milk making, estrogen, which we're all pretty familiar with um, as one of those hormones that helps us um, as we're going through puberty. Another one that we're finding out more and more about is insulin. It's actually a really important hormone when it comes to making milk. And not only does the breast have prolactin receptors, it also has insulin receptors. Um, And then another hormone that's quite Important is thyroid hormone, and so moms that have uh, running low thyroid levels or suddenly start doing that postpartum can also run into problems, and that can be um, quite a challenge. So some hormones, some galactagogues, help prolactin to circulate longer in the body, and that's important, especially in the early days, to help increase the number of prolactin receptors. And many galactagogues we just don't know, and it's interesting that many of them also help regulate bad cholesterol. Like if you start looking at the, the some of the foods in particular that are useful for helping your milk get better, and they also help with insulin resistance. And then there's a whole if you start looking at the list from around the world, you'll also notice. Well, gee, these are just things that are really good to have in your diet. So I wonder sometimes whether it's a thing that we know that women around the world can make good, healthy milk for their babies. But sometimes it would be really nice if we were good and healthy and feeling loved and not stressed besides. So that's kind of my spiel on how different kinds of things can boost mom's milk supply.
1: Right, right. Well, it certainly makes good sense when we think about how we take care of our bodies and how our bodies will take care of our babies too, right? During birth and in postpartum,
2: you know, so.
3: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, Bethany, were you concerned about your milk supply?
2: I was uh, concerned. Uh, Elliot was perfect weight when he was born, but he had really bad really bad jaundice and so was hospitalized and um, actually had a lactation consultant come in work with us he was only a week old and we found out that um, I wasn't feeling let down and I couldn't he he was never full and um, something that she, she suggested was you know look at look up a list of things that you could eat almonds is and oatmeal were one that I really remember uh, oatmeal definitely did it for me but it was still because I- I'm not sure I don't understand really what was going on with my body at that time but I wasn't feeling let down and even when pumping it was what just wasn't happening and um and then along with fenugreek I tried that but it was just, that I felt like almost getting mood swings and just the smell of maple syrup kind of did it in for me I couldn't I couldn't take it, my husband was like, you got to stop taking that. <laughs> um, but I tried those, and um, Elliot was dropping in weight. I couldn't um, provide him with enough, so I did definitely do a lot of research and try multiple things to try to uh, boost my supply, but it didn't work.
1: And when you um, recognized at week one, is that when you recognized yeah. that you were having a problem week with your supply? Yes. It's all about how um, – we demand from our body. So I do recall you saying earlier that your baby had a tongue tie, right? Yes. And so the signal wasn't getting across to your breast. Correct. Yeah. So uh, Don, can you um, explain a little bit about that?
3: Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we wondered, we knew for years that you will, that like supply, uh, the, the demand will make a supply when it comes to breast milk. But one thing that we really didn't understand was why that was the case. And Peter Hartman back in the 1990s in Perth, Australia did some um, some research and what he found was that there's actually a protein in mother's milk and it's usually called um, something like inhibition of lactation factor or so-called factor for inhibiting lactation. So sometimes people will call it still. And um, there's a famous uh, lactation consultant who works with preemies in Chicago, and she says, don't let Phil come to visit. And what she's talking about there is that if your milk stays in your breasts, which is what happens with a tongue-tied baby who can't do a good job of draining the breast well, what happens is that it tells the body, hey, we got plenty of milk here, don't make more. And especially in the early days, you know what you really want is a baby who who's signaling your breast to say, "I may only want appetizers today, but I'm going to want a ten course Italian dinner very soon, so keep making milk, keep making milk, keep making milk and instead, what happened with Bethany and Elliot is that um because Elliot wasn't draining her breast well, uh, her breast thought, "Well, we've got plenty of milk here. it must be a you know a baby that doesn't need a lot of milk. We've got enough, let's not make any more so on a very basic level. And our bodies, you know, are um, intricately and exquisitely made, but also simple. And so that's the simple answer. What a bummer. What a bummer when that happens. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, and I know that sometimes moms um, think they have a low milk supply and they'll start you know, from day one pumping or um, taking some like mother's milk tea or something like that in in, in anticipation of maybe having a problem, perhaps maybe even a previous breastfeeding relationship, right? So how how does a mom know if she
3: really has a true low milk supply? Okay, so I'm going to, like, this is one of those uh, things where, like, you're going to you're gonna wish you had a pencil because, like, it's going to have one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> but there, but uh, on the most basic level, the first thing that you really want to look at is, did your breast change when you were a teenager? So did your breast change at puberty and also did your breast change during your pregnancy? Because those can be markers for something called insulin resistance um, or and then going on to what's called um, insufficient gland tissue. So um, there's actually an entire book about this now by Diana kasser o and it's called Finding Sufficiency and that's a very, very good book if your breasts haven't changed very much while you've been pregnant or they didn't change a lot back when you were um, in, a teenager and, and, and during puberty. Then the second thing that you need to do So if you you say to yourself, yes, my breast did change, that's not where the problem is coming from. Then the second thing that you really want to do is look at your baby. And um, once you get to about four days postpartum, if you make the sign for OK with your hand, you want to be able to look at your hand and look at that O in OK. And by day four, your baby should be giving you four poops that are the size of the O in that okay that your hand makes, that your fingers make. Now some babies are going to give you <laughs> are going to give you only half of an O every single time that they eat. And other babies are gonna poop right up their backs and right up in their <laughs> hair. And both both of those babies might be doing just fine. But that's about the amount of, of poop that you want because a baby will not continue will not poop well if it's not eating well. And anytime that you've got a baby, and I wonder if this happened with Elliot, that he still at day four, he might still have been pooping meconium. And he was. Um, I actually work in a hospital and when I'm looking at baby poop, I want those babies' poops to be turning green and to Getting, be getting runnier by the time those moms go and babies go home. So anytime that you got a baby who's not clearing out what's in it, in the bowel, you're going to be looking to see is this baby really gaining enough? Then another thing that you want to do is you want to be able to get to know your own breasts. So get to know your baby, look at your baby, and then also your breasts. And most of us are not very familiar with our breasts. Sometimes our partners are more familiar with our breasts than we are um, when we have new babies. And so um, in the hospital, uh, very often I really like to see, we we know that, um, that there are various things that can make the milk come in later, but very often the milk will start coming in 36 to 48 hours after the placenta falls out. So what I really like is for moms to start knowing their breasts by walking their breasts around and getting to know, are my breasts starting to feel warmer? Are my breasts starting to feel heavier? And once you've got your baby on the breast, um, and you know the baby has settled down a little bit, or even before the baby comes to the breast, if you say to yourself, Hmm, what do my breasts feel like? Because you know they don't have any lines on there that will show you, you know, how much should my baby take at this speed. But if you get to know your breasts, you can actually walk your your fingers around. Um, when you uh, are up near your armpits in those early days, you may feel some things that some little milk uh, glands in there, little milk cells, alveoli that are full and they'll actually feel like baby peas or like little broccoli florets and you'll usually feel those on both sides and after a while, you'll actually start to feel them throughout your breasts very often before your baby eats. And then what will happen is as the feed proceeds, you can actually walk your fingers around and tell where your baby is able to, where your baby has done a good job of getting fill out of there and also and getting your milk down to let down well and also places where you might be able to do um, what's called breast compression when the baby slows down to get some more milk out of there. So that's a Another good way to know if you if you have a, a truly have a low milk supply or not, um, and that, because with a, sometimes there'll be spots where you realize, gee, there's absolutely nothing here, but there is something over here. So getting to know a little bit more about that can be um, really helpful. And then another thing that can help is to pump, but pumping can also be a liar, <laughs> because different moms, you know, we, we tend to have a, a letdown differently to a baby than we do to a pump. So that's some of the things that I'm looking at when I'm looking at a true milk supply. And, you know, there's a rule in lactation. And that rule, the number one rule from Linda Smith is is feed the baby. And then the second rule is the mother knows. And then the third rule is if you think the mother doesn't know, go back and read number two again. (laughs)
1: Because
3: the mother knows.
1: Right. Well, you know, sometimes, I mean, all all that you said is great. And sometimes moms are still sabotaging themselves when they think that <clears throat> their baby's constantly at the breast, right? And they think, well, my baby's always hungry. Um, what, what else could that be if it's not a, a low milk supply?
3: Yes, babies can be hungry, but they can also have lots of other things that they're trying to tell us, like, my belly's awfully full and I don't know how to tell you about it. Or... There's an awful lot going on in this household today, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't like it when you've got the TV on. That little blue light on your phone is keeping me up at 2.33 in the morning. So many other different things can go be going on. We also know that there are growth spurts, days when babies, um, there are also sometimes called wonder days, when babies just seem to be making developmental leaps, and sometimes um, getting your milk supply up is a part of that. And also, there's another thing that happens right around six weeks um, that where the baby starts stooling a lot less often because their guts are actually becoming more uh, mature like somewhere between six and eight weeks. The baby's also starting to nurse for shorter amounts of time and part of that has to do with the fact that we get more efficient at throwing that milk right into the baby's mouth with better letdowns but babies also become more efficient but the other thing that happens at that point is that moms actually go from um, an endocrine control of lactation to an autocrine control of lactation. And so what happens is our breasts don't feel full anymore. So like what is going on with that? So that's another time that can, that can uh, really fool us. And then the other thing that we've talked about a little bit already is, and this I always found this very interesting, was in Australia for many years, mothers found that their biggest problem was um, too much milk. And here in the United States, we usually say we usually think that our problem is not enough milk. And one of the big um, differences is um, how much support we get postpartum from the village.
1: You know, sometimes moms can help determine what their baby, you know, is doing at the breast by doing like a pre and post feed weight check, maybe at a local breastfeeding support yep. group or something like that. Absolutely. When they're yep. concerned, because a lot of times, you know. One one visit may not be enough. It may be just a snapshot of just may, maybe the baby wasn't particularly hungry at that moment, but maybe um, the next feed would be a super large feed. So sometimes um, taking into everything into consideration, not just one thing and dwelling on that, but a lot of times the instincts of the mother, um, you know, reaching out to ask or question her situation um, with with an experienced lactation consultant should be helpful in determining whether or not that baby really does um, struggle at the breast. Right, right. Great. When we come back, we will discuss with Dawn how to choose the right galactagogues and which ones you might want to avoid. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. We are here with IBCLC Don Kersula, and we're talking about popular galactagogues and their impact on milk supply. Don, what are the most common or popular galactagogues used today?
3: And you know what? This is going to be very interesting because I hope that your your listeners are going to call in and tell you what they've been using because this is another thing we don't know nationwide or worldwide what's number one. I'm guessing that mother's milk tea is probably right up towards the top. Um, and this is very region specific is what I found. But I'm just going to, so I'm going to give you like some of the top three in this area um, for herbs and foods and then go on to some of the favorite herbal uh, tinctures. Um, that are used in this, at least in my area. So mother's milk tea, I would say, is probably number one. Um, the new uh, Jack Newman's recipe for fenugreek and blessed thistle is probably um, another one of the favorites. And, and I do speak around the country, so this is one that I hear about everywhere. Um, I was actually very surprised. I was in um, Kansas City and someone was asking me, Um, Like how much fenugreek and blessed thistle I told mothers to take when they went back to work. And I was like, oh, I've never told them that. It's like people can go back to work and not do that. Well, they can, but um, that's probably one of the very favorites uh, is fenugreek and blessed thistle. It does bother some people's stomach, as Bethany was saying earlier, you know, that just didn't make her feel good. and, and actually, that's true with many of these galactagogues. Um, uh Shatavari is very, very popular in this area. Uh, and I don't know whether that's popular in your area. It's actually called um, it, it's uh, the herb for the woman who has a thousand husbands. Because it can also uh, raise your libido. But um, very, very, moms in this area have had very, very good luck with chitravery. Sh- and oats is also like very, very popular in this area, both as, um, like, let's have a, a nice big bowl of oats with cinnamon and maple syrup, Vermont maple syrup in the morning, but also in lactation cookies. And lactation cookies, um, moms around here like to make their own. So um, very often those have oats, flaxseed, and brewer's yeast in them. And I can certainly remember taking Blue um with my babies. So that was one of my favorite Galacta Right.
1: Well, h- how do you uh, know which ones to use? I mean, there's so many out there to choose from. Do you just kind of randomly pick, spin the bottle kind of thing and go, oh, this one works? Or, or do you have like a, a step-by-step uh, process on how to choose or pick one that's going to work better for you? And then how long should you stick to
3: it? Yeah. I know this is, this is such a, a complicated um, issue in so many ways, but if we're back to Linda Smith's rules um, the, that the mother knows, and as moms start to think about, you know, what is it that I'm trying to target here? And um, so I would say that, you know, if if you're saying to yourself, um, I'm not sure what's going on here. I just feel like I could probably pump up my supply I would say, like, why not make yourself some cookies or have a big bowl of oatmeal in the morning because that's something that you might already have in the house where you're not going to have to go out and buy something that's going to be expensive that might not work. So, you know, I would definitely start with something like oatmeal. Um, If you didn't have breast changes during pregnancy, I would definitely get yourself online and uh, take a look at finding sufficiency and looking at insufficient glandular tissue um, and some of the information that we have out there. And um, in a, a situation like that, you might be looking at something like go through, uh, and that would be something where if you've got insulin resistance um, and you had gestational diabetes, that would be something that we would be worth taking a look at. And oatmeal is also going to help with that one. Um, mother's milk tea is something that um, if you like the taste of it, um, it tastes a lot like Licorice, And so if that's something that you like um, and you usually need to drink about a quart of that a day, but you can get a pretty bad case of diarrhea with, if you start taking more than that. So like, if you start taking that and you start smelling like maple syrup, because that's when you know that you're at the clinical, the right clinical level. Um, Amount that's considered to be a, a, you're going to your sweat will, and your pee will start smelling like maple syrup if you're getting the right amount of fenugreek. Um, so and usually you would like if you go four or five days on those um, and you realize yes this is starting to make a difference then you're good to go and usually um, up to ten days with the fenugreek either in mother's milk tea or in capsules um, is considered pretty good. Um, so that would be for either for insulin resistance or just in general. If your baby didn't get to the breast early and often in the hospital, you might be looking at doing something with your, making sure that your the prolactin is still in your system um, and staying in your system a little bit longer to work on those receptors. And so in that situation, you might try Chitaveri. That might be a good a good uh, choice. And then um if you're just ha- if you're having a hard time with your letdown, with your pumping, and you're having a h- oh, hard letdown time um, with uh, just sort of feeling on the ball in general, so you know, mother's milk tea is not a bad thing. Oatmeal is not a bad thing. Um, starting yourself on some fenugreek and blessed thistle, and again, thinking about you know what is the main reason why I'm doing this.
1: Bethany, I know that you mentioned earlier that you had tried oatmeal and the fenugreek. Was there any other ones that you had tried?
2: Um, I did the oatmeal. I almonds was another one that was I think high on the food you should eat list. So you know, I would have my big bowl of oatmeal with cinnamon and almonds and drink it with my morning <laughs> mother's tea. milk tea <laughs> while I, you know, am taking my capsules of fenugreek at the same time. <laughs> and it got down to the point where, you know, I was eating the oatmeal every day. And if I cut the other, you know, three or four things out that I was doing, the oatmeal was making somewhat of a difference. And I, I would, you know, I would feel fuller, but the fenugreek hurt my stomach. And I love black licorice, so that the tea was not an issue. But the more I drank it and took it, it would hurt my stomach. And you know, I noticed that my, you know, that Elliot was fussy, especially with the fenugreek. As soon as I stopped taking it, you know, a day later, his his fussiness went away. And so that was something for me. Um, the oatmeal helped a little bit, but the other things just made my stomach hurt and made his stomach hurt, I, I would imagine. Um, so those are the things that I stopped. I, I kept drinking the tea a little bit, but um, mostly just kept eating oatmeal, are there any
1: ones that we should avoid um, or in, and why we should avoid
3: them? Well, um, there's actually a really nice article online by Frank Nice. He is uh, a pharmacist. And it's called common herbs and foods used as galactagogues. I'm just going to um, give you a couple of the things that that I happen to uh, know about, and also some of the things that I read in, in here that were that are sort of representative of things to be thinking thinking about. One of them is like fenugreek. If you have a ragweed allergy, or a peanut allergy, or chickpeas, soybeans, and green peas, you should stay away from fenugreek. You um, should stay away from blessed thistle if you're allergic to things in the daisy family. <laughs> Obviously, if you have an oat allergy, and some people do, you should stay away from that. Another thing that is very popular in Eastern European com- countries as a galactagogue, like I'm Polish and my son um, Uh, spent time in Poland and he's very into nettle tea but he's very careful about where he gets nettles from because nettles actually take up heavy metals in the soil. So if you think about how we've all had to become more careful about where our rice comes from, because they put rice fields into places where were contaminated with heavy metals. Well, you're going to have to be pretty careful about where your nettle is coming from here in the United States. I wouldn't just go to um, the drugstore and buy something that says that it's you know uh, that it's safe because they're not always safe. You want something that's okay by the U.S. Pharmacopoeia um, or you know a, a, a quality herb um, whenever possible. So I would say, you know, don't buy the cheapest. Buy something either like a co-op is very often or is very often going to be a place where you're going to be able to get something that's um, a good quality.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Dawn and Bethany, for sharing this helpful information about how to recognize a low milk supply and how to choose a Galactico to protect your breastfeeding relationship with your baby. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show as Don will discuss prescription galactagogues, and why or when it is necessary to choose it. And for more information about our boob group club, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com.
0: All right, it's time for a segment called Mama Hacks, where you guys are able to send us your uh, breastfeeding and pumping hacks, things that you've discovered over over time in breastfeeding and pumping for your babies, and little tips that you want to give other mothers out there. And I'm going to totally butcher this name. I'm so sorry. I think it's Katja. Sorry if that is wrong. But she says, learn about hand expression during pumping and breastfeeding to maximize yield efficiency and fat content. This makes a tremendous difference and can even increase your overall milk supply over time. And um, you know, we talked about hand expression different times here on on the boob group, but Leilani, I'd love to get your your perspective on it and and just the overall importance of hand expression. Well, actually, hand expression can
1: be super helpful in the first few days if for some reason your baby was sent to the NICU okay, um, and you were separated and they will, the hospital will tell you maybe you need to start pumping. Well, actually, if you do hand expressions, you'll remove a lot more colostrum. You'll have a lot better production than you would had you just used a pump. So right. first three days, super important hand expression if you are separated from your baby. On the other note, if you are breastfeeding and you notice that your baby is slowing down on the suck and swallow – Uh, start massaging and you'll start moving more milk makes baby more active which how our bodies work is as the baby demands that's how our supply is um, created so it's about demand first then the supply follows so the more you get the baby to suck the better milk is removed the more it gets replaced so it's super helpful and it is right about you know fatter you know the fat content is um you know near the end mm-hmm. of your cycle so when you're massaging and moving that out you're actually creating more fat intake for the baby
0: you know, I remember right after my twins were born. It was like you said, it was in that first three days, and I, my full milk supply hadn't come in. But I had a lot of colostrum, and um, I remember I had to do a lot of hand expression because the babies were preemies. I mean, I was thir- thirty-five weeks, so not super preemie, but and they didn't have to go to the NICU, but they were still not quite able to latch. You know, and I mean, I was holding them at the breast, and we were doing a lot of skin to skin, but they weren't. There wasn't a lot of transfer of milk. You know, and so I remember doing a lot of hand expression and the nurse coming in um, and I'm sure you know lactation consultants too coming in and showing me exactly how to do it I remember getting like this little cup you know I mean it's not a very big cup you know it's like the stuff they put like medicine medicine Mm -hmm. you know the pills and stuff in and so I remember squeezing into that and and they they made me feel like like queen of the world because they're like you have all this colostrum this is so fantastic like I wanted to run around screaming like look what I did.
2: <laughs>
0: but and, and and for you know the fat content that's important because the babies don't need a lot of milk obviously in the beginning of those first 3 days but they probably do need you know they need substance and it's probably really important that that colostrum has that fat content in it, right? Well, well, yeah. I mean, part of that,
1: true. But it's just removing as much colostrum as, you, as possible. And right, hand right. expression will remove more colostrum than pumping in the first few days. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for submitting this. That wraps up our show for
1: today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Pregy Pals for Expecting Parents, Newbies for Newly Postpartum Moms, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Infants and Toddlers, and Twin Talks for Parents with Multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boop Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.
0: New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas